Welcome to another edition of the Born in 87 podcast. Uh, I don't know about you, Adam, but uh, this is about, I think this is the most excited I've ever been for any of my teams who are uh, 10 and tw- ten and 13 through 23 games. So since I've been a fan of the Knicks, <laughs> I think this is my second or third favorite Knicks team. So I, my, as I've talked about, the, the when I became aware of the Knicks was 99, when they had that finals run, and that's when I really fell in love with sports and basketball. Um, this may be my second favorite Knicks team after that team. The only other team that like even compares would be the, the Mellow team that went, made a little bit of noise in the playoffs and had um, Tyson Chandler and Amari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that was a good team. They had 54 wins. Yeah, I, mean, that I just was didn't really love team. that team. Like I respected uh, Carmelo's game. I just... I'm not a mellow hater like a lot of people are, but he just never is my favorite. He's not like I don't love his brand of basketball. I just I love this. Sorry, team. But I just love. Before this we team. go any, before we go any further though, yes. uh, you mentioned you know uh, starting to love the Knicks with that '99 team, and I, I think we need to uh, say something to the fans because we've got we've gotten some emails about this. But uh, in, on our pod last week, uh, you made the comment that this is the co- collectively, this is the most excited you've been about the three teams all at one time. I, I think we need to preface that it is the most excited, certainly the most excited we've been in our adult lives. Uh, people brought up 1999. I, I think we could say, yes, 1999 was a great year for our teams. The Jets played in an AFC title game. The Mets were in the NLCS. The Knicks were in the NBA Finals. Crazy to think that actually happened. We were 12 years old. We couldn't fully appreciate it. Uh, we did get a I, lot I, of, we got a lot of intense emails, like so many. We're still responding to all of them. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't but, think uh, when people I people did I, seem offended by the fact that we didn't, we didn't allude to 1999 when we talked about collective excitement for our teams. Like as an adult, I, I definitely identify with these three teams, and like I'm a fan of these three. I, I don't think that I had that thought when I was 12. Like if you'd asked me, I might have told you I liked those three teams, but like. I wouldn't have realized that they're like a collective entity in my mind, and I love them all in different ways. Um, so I don't think I put together that, oh, my God, this is like a once-in-a-my-lifetime kind of deal going on where all my teams yeah. are uniquely awesome. I'm just like, oh, it's just sports. I'm, an, I'm a teenager. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the same way. Uh, you just you just kind of thought they were going to be good. Like, like, it didn't dawn on you that, like, these things had shelf lives. Like, I know at that point it was like, Oh, I just know the oh the Knicks they go to the playoffs every, every year. single year, and this year oh Michael Jordan retired, so they made the finals. Maybe they'll do it again next year. Or uh, with the Mets, it was like oh we've got Mike Piazza now. Uh, we're we're gonna be great forever. I mean you know they had one more run in them, and then that was it. Uh, and the Jets, you know obviously the you know the expectations were through the roof that following season, and then Testaverde got hurt, and that was that. Well, even going a step back but. from that, they had been terrible for almost a decade, and then brought in Bill Parcells, who revitalized the whole organization. And I, yeah. I mean, I don't. You can't if you don't if you didn't grow up in the '90s, you don't really have a full appreciation for Bill Parcells. Like he was considered like the football god, and we just were oh, like, yeah. oh, this is it. Like our team's gonna be awesome forever now. He he turned the Jets into a winner, and this is just the beginning. You wait till he gets going. And that that yeah. didn't happen thanks to Bill Belichick. Yeah. And we also stole Bill Parcells. Like we took him from the pa- you know from our division rival, the Patriots, who he had led to a Super Bowl. And we took Curtis too, my favorite Jet. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Uh, all right, enough reminiscing. Yeah, what are we uh, doing today, Jess? We were excited. At, we were excited about 1999 as 12 year olds. We're very excited now. Probably the most excited we've collectively been in our adult lives. But uh, today uh, we're, we're going to talk about some Knicks. Yeah, we're just going to do everything Knicks. We're going to revisit some of our uh, early season predictions. 
We'll talk about uh, what we see on the court and where we'd like them to go. So if you like talking about crazy Knicks trades, uh, you came to the wrong podcast. All of our trade ideas are legitimate. All these could actually happen. So yeah, hope you're ready. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's uh, let's jump in. So uh, before the season, uh, we brought Chris Meany on, and uh, we you know we made a bunch of uh, predictions and things we were looking forward to, not looking forward to for the current season. And uh, so, do you want to start with some of the things we got right? Sure. All right. Uh, so one thing we I feel like we were definitely right about uh, the Knicks would be much better defensively, and they'd be a pain in the neck to play. Yeah, I don't think anyone looks forward to playing the Knicks. I. I... I've watched at least a little bit of all their games, and they play hard on every single possession. There are still some serious things this team needs to improve on. They're they're still just ten and thirteen, but they're they're tough. Right? They they don't make it easy to score. Um, and they're like even on defense, you have to pay attention to what what they're doing. So they're they're not the best offensive team in the league. I think they're actually like either the worst or one of the worst. But they still play hard. Like you can't take a night off against the Knicks. Yeah, no, and I, and I think also you look, I mean, this, especially with, like, the way the season, you know, because of COVID, where you have a lot of these, like, back-to-backs in the same city, the way, you know, like, the Knicks just played these two games in Chicago, uh, and I know Chicago's not a very good team. I'm sure Knicks fans, some Knicks fans wanted to sweep it. Obviously, they only split the double, the, you know, well, the, Chicago has the two a, games. Well, Chicago has almost a better record than the Knicks. They're 8-11. and 11. The Knicks are, what, 10-13? and 13? So, I mean, that's, yeah. they're pretty comparable pretty, teams. Yeah, they're both three under 500. Point being, though, is I think, you, you know, math. well, I just think the Knicks are going to be a very, very tough team to sweep in these double headers because I think they're just going to be a tough team to play two games in a row. Just, you know, it's, it's not fun to play teams with that, you know, kind of a defensive it, intensity on back to back eight nights. That's true. And this could just be random. And this is just the thought I had. But so there's been a lot of teams in the league who've had COVID trouble and it. I really, in my head, I wonder if um, they've just been convinced by Tibbs you're not allowed to leave your house. Right? Like the one advantage we can have is just we're not gonna come up, we're not gonna get any of these COVID protocols. We're not gonna talk to any other human being who's like not on our team, and we're not gonna have any exposures, and we're not gonna get COVID. Right? Like so, we have our full roster every night. They've had some injuries. But they haven't had some of the COVID problems other teams have had. The NBA actually, I don't think, has had that many positives. A lot of the reasons that uh, teams have had trouble either playing or had people go through the protocol is just through exposures. Um, and it just seems like the Knicks really haven't had that. So I wonder if they're just extremely disciplined, which means that Tibbs is leaving them. This is complete just me guessing, but I'm yeah. I'm correct, right? They haven't have they had anyone go through the COVID protocols yet? Not that I can recall. Actually, I want to bring up something uh, – uh, not that it's uh, anyone's fault. Well, Fra- I want to bring it, up something. If you Clyde don't Frazier. leave your house and you don't like talk to anyone, it's not magic. Yeah. You can't get it. We don't expect players to like live in their houses. But I do wonder if this Knicks team is just so bought into Tibbs. They're like, you know, screw it. We're going to be healthy. We're not going to like screw this up at all. We're just going to stay in our homes and not, you know, do anything. Yeah, yeah I, it reminds me actually of something uh, Clyde Frazier said during the uh, game they had where against uh, Utah where I mean Utah killed him but he, he made a comment about you know that Utah game they had I mean Utah is a really good team one of the They're best really records in the They're league third in the West. and uh, that was also the Knicks I think it was the final game of their West Coast swing and you know they were they were getting killed and uh, you know Frazier said you know these games the last night of a road trip is always tough and I remember him making a comment he's like even tougher when you're doing nothing 
on these road trips, not, you know, just literally getting back from the game and just going to your hotel, you know, going to your hotel, uh, you know, not going out at night, not going out to dinner, not uh, seeing guys, you know, who you're friends with on the other team. And the fact that he said that did make me think that the Knicks have bought in and are being super strict about their protocols. And just like you said, at home, not doing stuff. And even on the roads, really just like not leaving their hotel and not doing stupid things that they shouldn't be doing. Well, not even stupid things, Justin. I mean, it's anything. (laughs) I mean, that the way to not have any COVID exposures is to not have any interactions with other human beings right i just it's it's just yeah. to me i would love to see some reporting on this and there there actually might be um so yeah i would i would be interested to see if they are just bought in there it's just one little advantage they can give themselves cuz they they're not a complete team they can't compete with the best teams in the east and the west they're not anywhere near that level yet particularly on offense uh so this could just be one little thing they're doing to give themselves an advantage do you listen to uh, do you, do you read or uh, Chris Heron at all or listen to him on podcasts? I do not. He's wonderful. He's uh, a five thirty eight uh, NBA reporter, and this just feels like a Chris Heron article. Um, he does a lot of data stuff, but he also does like some interest pieces. He's the one who did the Carmelo wine, uh, you know, aficionado <laughs> story from like you know probably like seven years ago. He's he's a good listen. You should uh, read his stuff and listen to him on pods. Yeah, apparently uh, he really likes wine. Uh, is that Carmelo, first- not Chris Heron. He. No, no, no I know. Uh, uh, so earlier today, I was listening to uh, Bill Simmons' podcast where he had uh, C.J. McCollum on, and uh, one thing C.J. McCollum actually talked about is, uh, uh, you know, especially this year since uh, they can't really do anything with other people, uh, that uh, him and Carmelo and the Blazers they they love to have uh, wine nights. Yeah, Carmelo was really into wine. <laughs> I, he said that specifically in he the is. podcast. It's, He's it's like, me and Melo love to drink wine together. Great. <laughs> cool <laughs> cj's rehab and i hope hope cj gets better soon and i you know i i happy mellows found a, a late career home because it was sad when he wanted to play and wasn't on the team yeah and, and clearly as he's proven in portland he still had something left in the tank he's a rotation player in the nba i mean come on he's he's not yeah, well, he's not the uh, hoodie mellow anymore but yeah i mean well that was one of the problems with you know really the post nick mellow is uh and i, I don't know how true it was but you always heard the report, oh, Melo, he, he's not, you know, he, he needs to keep playing his ISO ball. He's not willing to come off the bench. He's not willing to do what it takes to uh, be for the team. I don't know if it was the fact that he didn't have a job for like a year and it like humbled him somewhat uh, until Portland, you know, finally said, we want you here. But uh, whatever, like you said, uh, glad he's, uh, you know, playing, getting time. He's playing in for, weird you know, situations, right? I mean, the, yeah. He was. I mean, the Knicks situation was weird. And he was in Oklahoma City. That was really weird. And then that Houston situation was weird. Did he go somewhere after there? Did he play in the Lakers for like a minute? Is that a thing that happened? No, that was just rumored. Everyone thought uh, he was going to go to the Lakers because of LeBron, but then he. But didn't he play somewhere like literally for a minute? He just seems like things have gone well for him in Portland. So I'm happy for him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Uh, the next thing we felt like we got right was uh, we thought R.J. Barrett would uh, take a big leap this year. He he most certainly. Well, has, that was uh, you were right. I I was I like Barrett's game. He he plays very. I mean, the way he plays is the way he plays. He's just become more efficient as a shooter, and he's made better decisions. Um, but he's he's a much better defender than he was last year. I think at least according to the eye test. I don't know if the metrics back it up. He's a very good. He's an he's an above average passer. But the kind of passes he makes give me reason to believe he could be an elite passer. Um, but as we talked about before the season, a guy like that, 
you know, he's he's taking so many shots, the kind of shots he's taking, it's either like a, an efficient shot and helping your team win, or it's a bad shot and hurting your team. And I, I do think he's still probably an overall minus just because his 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 shot, his field goal percentage is so poor. Um, but I think that will change. And I think he's made enough strides that I'm pretty confident to say that if he ended up being the best guy out of that draft, I wouldn't I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked. I, well, I would be because of just how good John Morant is. I but, agree. Uh, I think he could be better than Zion. It's, it's, it's crazy to think that that's not an, an outrageous thought. No. I, I, John Morant is freaking amazing. I, I think we're in agreement there. I don't think he'll ever be better yeah. than John. But he's he's a primary ball handler. He's a willing passer. He's a good defender. You know, if guys like that, if, he, yeah. if he, the shot comes around, he really could be an all-star player. And clearly he, he seems willing to work and... Uh, it seems like he's a guy who who cares about uh, working well with his teammates. I mean, him and him and Mitchell Robinson, as we, you know, we've said in the past, they have great chemistry. So uh, him and Julius Randle play well together, and the fact they that uh, they didn't last year—that's that's new. So I mean, there was yeah. no chemistry last year between the two of them, and they were like trading possessions was bad. But they they play well together now. Yeah, I mean, it it definitely seems like when they had nine and a half months off, they. Uh, they found time to – whether they should have been doing it or not, it makes you think that they probably were working out together. They also have a good <laughs> coach. I mean, a lot of this yeah. is just – I was down on Tibbs. I'll I'll say I was wrong. I mean, I don't know if this if Tibbs will work three years from now, but – so something else about Barrett that makes me think he's clearly going the right direction. Tibbs is playing him a lot, and we know Tibbs yeah. doesn't play you unless he thinks you're helping the team. Um, Emmanuel Quickly, who everyone in New York is dying to play, he played 13 minutes last night. And people thought yeah. he was going to be in the starting rotation. He's just playing Alfred Payton more than him, just because he's tips. He just he won't yeah. play you unless he's super confident. With Toppin get yeah. like thirteen minutes a night, and then Knox and Nilakina aren't playing at all. Yeah, so um, he's playing Barrett all the time. He he believes. Yeah, in him. so yeah, um, and, and I think I think uh, even though quickly everyone wants to see him playing more, and I'll give I'll give a shout out here to uh, the Locked On uh, Knicks podcast. I, I think you know I think those guys do a great job over there. Uh, but I, I know I've been, you know, listening to a couple of their pods this week, and uh, they've been uh, con- consistently complaining about how Quickly's not starting yet, and how he makes more sense with the starters, and Alfred Payton makes more sense with the uh, the backups. But what, what? First off, it's only 23 games into his career. Uh, I I think Quickly will get there. But what what does give me confidence in that? Uh, Tibbs likes quickly and will increase his playing time as the season goes on is that while quickly may not be starting games or playing as many minutes as uh, people want to see him playing, he's finishing games. And that's in my book, that's a big deal. Like when you're trying to close these games out, he has quickly on the floor. And uh, I mean, maybe that's just because he's a really good free throw shooter, but whatever the reason he's getting those big time minutes down the stretch. I prefer him as a six man, and here's why. So coming in, the idea for him was just an elite shooter, like above average defender. So that player I'd want in the starting lineup, right? Because you just want him playing like the JJ Redick role, where you're just flinging him off off ball screens, getting him open, um, and then having you know Barrett or Randall hit him. And they they don't have enough shooting in their starting lineup, so that makes sense. But the way he's being utilized with the second rotation is as a primary ball handler, doing a ton of isolation, and that I didn't I didn't think that quickly was that type of player. Like, he's getting to the rim. He doesn't go all the way to the rim, right? He stops, like, six yeah. feet earlier and does the floater. But it's 
which it's he's good interesting. at. Interesting. So in the starting lineup, he's not doing that, right? Like, because you have two ball dominant players. I'm curious to see how how this how this goes with quickly as your primary ball handler on your second unit. Like, is this the skill for him? Um, because then maybe you are thinking that it's you you move off Randall, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. I I love Julius Randall, but you only need so many ball dominant players, and if quickly and Barrett are both going to be primary ball handlers, you don't necessarily want a third. Yeah, but we'll get uh, to that. I in think a bit. we're. It's interesting because, like I said, uh, you know, on the on their podcast, Locked On Knicks, uh, they are just all on the quickly needs to be starting right now. I think you and me are both uh, on. It, well, we could be a little. They could be a little patient. I mean, well, the thing you also got to remember too is I, my point was different than that, though. My point is that no, it is his skill set. Gets, is he gets being a chance utilized. to do different things, right? And I, and a, a player who's a primary ball handler, who's a really good shooter and you know a good passer, is more valuable than JJ Redick. Like I love JJ Redick, and quickly seems like you could utilize him like that. Have you know people set screens for him, have him fly him off them, have the ball handler get him to him. But I, I like him in these ISOs. He's he's surprised me with his ball handling ability and his ability to attack the rim. So if he is like a, he's not as good as Steph Curry. I understand that he never will be. But he has that. He could have that type of skill set where he is a primary ha- yeah. ball handler. He's not fast. Fe- I mean, he'll never be as good a shooter. Fast, quickly. Would you say? He'll never be as good a shooter. Obviously, he's the best rookie shooter I have seen. Like pure oh, no. shooting. Steph Curry's the best shooter. No, no, in no, the... si- no, no. Since Steph Curry, like, I mean, oh. maybe I'm missing someone. Like Steph Curry's the best shooter of all time, hands down. But I don't remember a rookie coming in and shooting like this. Like, I'd have to think about it. He's an 87 percent free throw shooter. I don't even know what his three point shot percentage is now. But you just look at him. He's he's an elite shooter. Like that is a super skill set that he has. Um, yeah, I mean, we 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 can. Move. I really like him, and I'm curious to see how he how he develops. Like, does he max out as a as a guy coming off screens, or is he someone who can put the ball in his hands? Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to think he's not gonna. He's not fast. And get better. He's not yeah. fast. That's the thing with him. So he's it, it limits his like a his upside as like a like, most of the point guards in the league who you think of as elite are guys who can attack the rim at like a high rate of speed. And pass out of it, um, so he's not. He's ne- never going to be like that. Um, he could be like a played a, similarly to like a James Harden, where James Harden gets to the rim not with his speed, but with just kind of like moxie and smart and stopping and going. And that's something that quickly does well. Um, that's he'll and that's something guys like improve that. on. Yeah, and that's something guys can improve on because even if you don't have you know the best uh, natural speed in the world, you can work on your handle. I mean, and right. that's something and you could, James Harden is incredible at. It's his handle. Right. So. Right. So, I mean, you, you can do it in different ways. And I'm that's why I kind of like him coming off the bench because let, let's see how he develops. Um, and I think he's being utilized in smart ways right now. Good point. Uh, one last thing we wanted to talk about that we were right on. Uh, uh, we thought that uh, Kevin Knox would be wouldn't really be able to make the rotation. Uh, he's currently out of the we rotation. We were wrong for a little bit though. He was playing like 15 minutes a night. He was playing really hard, and his three point shot was making some progress. But he's he's not playing now. Yeah, um, I don't know. Sadly, I feel like he might be on his way out of the league. Why is that sadly? Uh, just because he was a high pick that went that we missed on. 
I, sure. And there were really good players behind him that we could have had. I'm sadder about Frankie Smokes. Because yeah. Frankie um, Smokes is that oh he's in our next session all right well I'll, yeah so I'll let's, let's go all right so let's go into the things that we were wrong about well one thing we thought was you know frankie smokes you know he's been a good defender and we thought well, this defensive coach he was going to be able to really shine he'd get a lot of minutes in the preseason uh he seemed to be giving frankie smokes some minutes and now in the regular season i mean he barely plays he doesn't uh, play. i don't remember the last time yeah. that he, he checked in he's out of the rotation yeah, sorry yeah, so uh, that was something we were definitely wrong on. Any idea why you think just... I, do, I think he's it, bad. It's just that he's not good. I think know? he's just bad. I, and I wonder if he's more limited defensively than we realized. Like, in his rookie season, in the second year, people were saying he's a great defender. I don't know. I've never... I don't know. I haven't crunched a lot of Frankie Smoke's tape, but I don't know if he is the defender we thought. And I offensively, he's like a black hole. So, not playing under Tibbs. Yeah, and it feels like if Tibbs isn't going to play him... I don't know uh, who will. No. He might end up just being a Euro guy. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, other things uh, that we were wrong about. Um, uh, I, I don't think we thought Julius Randle would be an all-star. I remember one thing we talked about was uh, that similar to how they traded Marcus Morris last year for a first-round pick, that that could be the same fate for Julius Randle this year. And uh, I think I think now is a good time to talk about Julius Randle because, I mean, we've gone so far as saying – you know, don't don't trade this guy, and that they should extend him and uh, make him a big part of their future. Uh, I mean, how much how much would the Knicks have to get for him for the Knicks to actually like move him? Like, what would it take? So you're not getting like uh, I don't know. Who's I mean, someone who I mean, would not, you get a would you get a like what if you got a Drew Holiday package? Uh, that's what I was trying to say. You're not getting a Drew Holiday package. You're not going to get three. First round picks and three swaps. I actually think it was three and two. There's just there's a zero percent chance. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but you just he's still just Julius Randle. It's a, such a small sample size that I don't think anyone would be willing to kind of go all in for him like that. And I don't. I think um, Holiday's under contract for longer than Randle is. Randle can opt out. Yeah. No, no. The, I think he's under team control. The team has the option yeah. for the summer. So he's right. he's very he's a good cost for the next two years. I mean, I think if you could get a rebuilding team to offer you an unprotected first-round pick, that's kind of the best you could do. I mean, that, that's and I still valuable. don't think I'd do it for that. I wouldn't do it but either. I still... Something yeah, I, I, I tweeted out, I'd rather have Julius Randle right now than Christoph Porzingis. And I, when I tweeted it, it was for, like, this moment. But even looking forward now, I'd rather have Randle than Porzingis. And you know, Justin, that makes me really reconsider the Porzingis trade because they used that cap room to sign Randall, and they got one of the picks they got is a lottery, likely a lottery pick from at Dallas. the moment. No, at the so, moment it's a lottery. It, it does. We'll it completely changes the way we view that trade. Porzingis looks um, terrible. He look he's yes injury no. prone. He's not playing well, and Randall is twenty six, and he's on the up and up, and he has a complete. Packet, right? Like he, he's a great passer. He's a primary ball handler. He's he's according to metrics one of the best defenders. And like I don't think my eyes don't tell me that, but the numbers do. And it's not what else he's he hit five for seven from three last. I mean, really, what more do you look for from a power forward? I mean, he's not LeBron James. He's not Anthony Davis. What what are you looking for? How could you improve that position? Would I give him a super max? No. Is he max worthy tomorrow? No, but a year from now he probably is. I don't. I don't understand what you'd be. What do you want out of a power forward besides what Julius Randle gives you right now? He's their best yeah, player by um, far, and he's twenty six and getting better. 
I, I don't think I yeah. would trade him. I wouldn't even consider. No, I wouldn't. And and he does ev- like it. Just also feels like he does everything for them. Like he steps up in the big moments. Like even in last night's uh, that Bulls game. Uh, you know, I mean the Knicks. They had it in the fourth quarter. They have the big lead. Chicago's coming back. The Knicks are playing sloppy as hell. And the Bulls at one point cut it to three. And uh, while getting fouled, uh, Julius Randle hits a really big shot to put him up five. He ends up missing the free throw, but, like, it was just a really big shot. And, like, the momentum swung with that. And Chicago never really got back into it after that point. Um, He's become a really good passer. He's really good at the pick and roll. Like, I just feel like he does so much for this team. And the thing is, too, is the way he plays is if uh, quickly and Barrett and Robinson improve in the ways you hope, his game seems very, like with his improved passing, his game seems very adaptable from going to being like the number one guy to like being the two or the three or the fourth best guy on the team. If all those guys, you know, uh, you know, get better as we hope they do. So, Let's go through a list of the best power forwards in the league and how many more. How, who would you want long term more than Julius Randle? Anthony Davis, okay. clearly. Yes. Kevin Durant, clearly. Yes. Yeah, even though he's 32 and coming off a kill. Giannis Anadokounmpo, clearly. Yes. Um, and then according to value over replacement player, Randle is next. <laughs> Interesting. Under for power forwards, I'm just I'm on ba- basketball reference. So you have like, so, I would you rather have Demontis Sabonis? I don't know. I, Randall is not as good of a rebounder, but a much 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 better three point shooter, and I would argue a better passer. I don't know. I, I mean, might... the one thing you'd say with Sabonis is, I mean, Sabonis has made an All Star team, and. Uh, you know, he's just part of a winning team. Of course, he plays with, you know, a lot of really good players on that Indiana team. I don't know. Sabonis but, uh, is their best player right now, full stop. You got, would you rather have Zion? Yes. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Yeah. That's that's kind of it. I went through all, would you rather have John Collins? No. Not no. even a little. So, that's that's it. I mean, we could So, he's in the top at, six or seven? You're not going to improve the position, right? Yeah. I, that that's my point. I'm not including small forwards. I'm not including centers. Um, you know that would make it more interesting, right? You can does he, he kind of play, kind of plays like compared to Paul. I would rather have Paul George, right? I rather I rather have Jason Tatum. I rather have Put Chris Middleton way. probably. Think about this. Before the season, the NBA every year, sorry, ESPN every year, they make their list of the hundred best players in the NBA, and the only guy. Uh, that was on that list before the season for the Knicks was Mitchell Robinson at 92. So ESPN didn't even consider Julius Randle a top 100 player. Now I think he's easily in the top 50, maybe even the top 30. I don't think it's outrageous to say that. I think he's safely in the top 30. I actually don't think that's arguable that he's Maybe he comes down, so maybe this is an outlier, right? But from what we've seen in this quarter of a season – He's a top 30 player. Point being, even you've seen far lesser players get massive contracts. Like the Knicks, 
part of the thing you're also trying to do here with the Knicks, like maybe the Knicks can, you know, finish in that seven to 10 range this year, uh, get into the uh, play in tournament and maybe get the eight seed and, you know, play like Milwaukee or Brooklyn or Philly in the first round. Like, obviously that's their ceiling this year, but what you're trying, like you're trying to build a culture. Like the reason Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant went to Brooklyn is because the Knicks reviewed as such a dysfunctional organization that even though these guys wanted to play in New York City, they didn't want to play for the Knicks. Like you're tr- you're trying to reverse that. Like Randall is a veteran who's getting better and a guy who you'll probably be able to extend. Like you have him here now. Like you have him along with uh Quickly Robinson and Barrett. You've got four guys you're really excited about and a fifth guy we ba- you know we barely talked about yet an Obi Toppin who, you know, is just He's only a rookie, but you took him in the lottery last year. And it's like, you don't need to be shipping these guys out for, you know, future picks that may or may not work out. Like, you have a guy here who does so much. For you. Like, keep this guy. Have him be part of the solution. You know, you know whether it's, it has to be hitting draft picks in the future or, dare I say, a free agent actually signing with the Knicks. Like, I, I just don't think part of the solution is trading away a guy that's building you credibility within the league. Okay, let me and do making the, your team better. Let me do the devil's advocate. And I'm a huge Julius Randle fan now. And before the season, I said I was a fan of him too, but I wanted him off the Knicks because I thought he was making Barrett worse. And because he's not anymore, I, I want to keep him. But if, I don't know if you remember, when they signed him, I told you you were going to love his game. Um, I, I love the way Randle plays. I just did not like the way he played on this team last year. Um, I don't even remember what I was going to say. That's Maybe you should <laughs> cut this out. I lost my train of thought. Oh, no. Okay, I'm back. Um, so the, the, here's the counter argument. So R.J. Barrett, in theory, is going to be the center of this team for a very long time. We're thinking maybe we have another above average to maybe all-star-esque player in Emmanuel. Quickly, I would argue that Mitchell Robinson is an all-star level player right now. All those guys are between 21 and 23. Randall's 26, and he's going to be up quickly for Quickly might be like 20. Quickly might be like 19 or 20. My point being, <laughs> your core is between 19 and 22. Randall's just out of that. So you think when your young core is peaking, Randall may be out of his... I'm having a hard time even making this argument. Randall will still be in his prime at that point. You, you yeah, could just say, I, like, they're not all in the same timeline in theory. You can move Randall. If you could turn Randall into a top eight pick in this year's draft i might do that because this draft is so stacked um but i i just think you keep julius Randle. i like him i like the way he's playing i, also, I want to ride this out and see where it goes he's 26 I also, I, yeah also I, I just don't know if a lottery team is trading for julius Randle. like i just don't see why a lottery team is doing that they're stupid like, teams presumably the yeah i guess but I also like, you know, especially with the way the system Did works. Did you get Chicago's like, pick? They're dumb. I guess. I mean, I guess you could get like Sacramento or Chicago's pick, but it's like, yeah, maybe that pick ends up at, in the Sacramento top three. It has could also be like the tenth pick. Forwards. I don't think Sacramento's trading for other, another power forward. All right. My point, I was just kind of picking out a dumb team, but my point is, I mean, I guess, I mean, other than like Minnesota, who is like a pick. guaranteed top five. Oh, good point. Uh, <laughs> um,. So yeah, I, I don't even know where that trade would come from. I don't. Well, who owns Minnesota? Detroit. Uh, it's uh, Golden State. It's top. I, mean, I believe it's top okay. three protected. Okay, is Golden State uh, trading for Julius Randle? Probably not. 
That would be really interesting, actually. Oh yeah, I mean, I it guess it would fit in. Well, the, really but again, the well. problem is, is it's the problem is though, is that are you willing to take that risk as the Knicks? Because yeah, maybe you get the fourth or fifth pick in the draft, but if it's top three protected, now you traded away Julius Randle and you don't even get that pick in twenty twenty. No, I don't think this would ever happen. Draft. You just you just asked me would Golden State trade for Julius Randle, and I think that yeah, after I said it, it made more sense actually. That would actually but, make a ton of sense for them. Yeah, they're keeping Julius Randle. This is stupid. Tibbs wants to yeah. win. All right, let's move right? on. There's All a right. reason Tibbs we... is playing Reggie Bullock and Alfred Payton. He wants to win. Yeah. Right? He's not screwing yeah. around. They're not They're not yeah. tanking we're, for draft picks. So that was something we're happy we were wrong about. Yeah. Uh, next thing, I think this is also something we're happy we were wrong about. So we thought Emmanuel quickly would crack the rotation, but probably be behind Burks and... Uh, uh, you know, Payton, Burks, Rivers, like all these guys would get a lot more playing time than him. I mean, clearly he's behind Alfred Payton, but he's playing crunch time. Uh, he's turning into a star. He's third in the NBA in free throw percentage. into a star. He has moments where he, it's like you caught lightning in a bottle, but it's it's a little early. And I, I'm okay, pushing the Emmanuel quickly, like, train here. I'm a huge fan, and I was coming in, too. Not because I watched Point being, college, he's better than we – I mean, right. he's, he's much better, better than, than either one of, one of us thought. Yeah. Uh, He's right. not another just a three and D player. Yeah. Uh, another thing we were wrong about, but I, you know, still want to defend him is uh, I think we thought their other first round rookie, uh, Obi Toppin, who they took with the eighth pick, would make more of an immediate impact. Like a lot of the book on him was that he was very, very NBA ready, and he hasn't done a whole lot. But uh, I, I just think it's way too early. He's been injured. I look at him. Uh, I, I still I have see, a lot of faith. I see a guy who's huge, who's athletic who can catch alley-oops, who can rim run, and who can also shoot threes. You're telling me this guy isn't going to be a good rotation piece in two years? You're crazy. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, th- that's a very that's a unique skill set. Being a rim runner who also is an above-average three-point shooter, I, he's going he's gonna to be a key rotation piece. I would not. Yeah. I'm not at all upset about anything I see from Obi Toppin. I don't think people realize how bad most rookies are. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to bring up... Uh, Sorry, second time this podcast, uh, I'm referencing today's Bill Simmons pod where he had CJ McCollum on, but I, I think this one comment was it was a good one. So, I'll have to listen to it. Yeah. So CJ McCollum uh, made a comment that, uh, you know, his his rookie year, uh, he, wa- he wasn't playing a lot. He only played in 38 games that season and only averaged 12 minutes a game. But uh, one thing he referenced was the fact that be- since he came from Bucknell and came from a small school, he said, like, I knew – what it like he's like guys don't always get noticed when they play at smaller schools i knew what it took to like work hard to get myself to the nba and i knew what i was going to have to do to elevate my game in the nba and i think this is very interesting so obi toppin from a, i mean dayton's not as small a school as uh bucknell like they, they do you know it's an a10 school good con- you know good conference but cj mccollum was also a 22 year old rookie like obi toppin C.J. McCollum, first year in the league, averaged 5.3 points a game. Second year in the league, 6.8. Third year in the league, 20.8. And every year since then, he's been over 20. And this past year before his injury, 26.7. Point being, C.J. McCollum, guy from a small school, took some time to adjust. But ever since his third year in the league, the guy's been a star. The only reason he's never made an all-star team is because he plays in the loaded Western Conference. But I, I just think it's an interesting comparison when you look at, like, Obi Toppin versus, you know, like a CJ Mc... And I understand they play different positions, but I take the comparison of, like, when they broke into the league and, you know, coming from the school. Like, for an Obi Toppin, it's a big, you know... Like, he's going from, you know, not playing 
you know, in the Big Ten or the ACC every night and jumping right into the NBA. Like, yeah, it's probably going to take him a year or two, but uh, I, I think there's every reason to think he's going to be a really good player. Sure. I don't think that's a good comparison. Do you, do you want me to – do you care why I don't think it's a good comparison? Yeah, I, I want to know why. So you can go look up those Trailblazer teams um, for those two years where he was riding the bench. And those were the teams where they had LaMarcus Aldridge, they had Batum, they had um, – I'm just – this is bad podcasting. They had they had a really good shooting guard who I'm blanking on his name now. He, he still plays in the league. They had an older veteran team that was making pretty decent runs, and McCollum was seen as the guy that they were developing. So the reason he wasn't getting playing time wasn't because he wasn't good or wasn't C.J. McCollum. Oh, Wesley Matthews. He was playing behind Wesley Matthews. Yeah. Is they had they had a really solid starting five. That team had Robin Lopez on it too. So he he may have been if he had been playing, he may have been just ready to go. I I, I think he would have been good. And the reason he played was because all those guys were gone and they had no one else, and that's when he shined. So maybe he was just ready at that point, but my gut says McCollum would have been better earlier. And I think I think Toppin needs a little seasoning. Maybe I mean no 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 way to really ever know if uh, that would have been the case. But no, there's no way to know. Point. But it is a, it is a, it's a different situation where Toppin yeah, could be playing more right now. Where McCollum, there was no way he was going to be playing over West over Wesley Matthews. Yeah, that's a good point. And he he actually did talk about that on the uh, the podcast that it took Wesley Matthews getting hurt for him to really start playing a lot. It did. Good memory. It was a bad. Uh, I just really like that Blazers team. They, I always really <laughs> wanted them to win the title. I, I just, I love the way they played. They had Lillard. They had uh, Aldridge. I've gone through their team already. I, I just love the Blazers. I don't know why. My, my favorite team that is not a Knicks team ever was that, uh, was it the '99 Blazers who lost to the Lakers? I freaking love that team. You ever look at their it was roster? 2000, but it was 2000. It was 2000. Yeah. Oh, that man. Team that had David Stadmeyer, Detlef Schrempf, Scotty Pippen. Scott. They had my one of my favorite players ever, Rasheed Wallace. Never Rasheed Wallace. They had Rasheed yeah. Wallace. They had Arvita Sabonis. They had Bonzi Brian Wells. Grant. They had Jermaine O'Neal. They had Grant. That team was so much fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and they should have won a title that year. I mean, they they had that big lead over that that Kobe Shaq Lakers team in Game Seven of the Western Conference Finals. Mike and, Dunleavy uh, Senior that, was their coach. That, yeah, that Portland, like, and Portland would have beaten Indiana. They would have absolutely beaten Indiana in the NBA Finals that year. Absolutely, and they should have beaten that Laker team. Um, it they is should have. if you think about that collection of talent and like all those different guys, and like it's amazing that they didn't win a title. They had freaking Scottie Pippen, Rasheed Wallace, or Venus Sabonis. Steve Smith yeah. was on that team too. That team was crazy. Yeah, sorry, that, that was fun for me. Thanks for letting me do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, last thing we want to say wrong, and this is another one that we're uh, happy that we got wrong, was uh, we thought that uh, Nerlens Noel would have to play too much because Mitchell Robinson would w- be constantly in foul trouble. But uh, that's something he's really, he really worked on fouls. in his game. I, it's I don't think he's fouled out of a single game this year. I don't year. believe he has either. Most games he only gets like two to three. He's not in foul trouble. Like I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's, it's him a, or Tibbs. Like maybe it's them working. Probably a together. combination of both. But good Mitchell Robinson. He could make an all-star team yeah. this year. He's he's a very well, I don't know co- about this year, but in the near future. The you got to remember the East has so much talent. Who now. are the three centers right now who are ahead of him? Well, no, but it doesn't go by that. It's oh, just no, no. general front court. So it's it's I think it's like it's something like I don't know. I think it's like seven front seven or eight front court guys that make it and then like four or five guards. So th- I'm so going to make this I'm going to make the same point with Randall I made. Uh, with Robinson they made for Randall. Like what more are you looking for? Like he's he's not gonna be Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic, but it 
as far as like a rim runner defender, that's about as good as you get in the NBA right now. Who who does yeah. who does Mitchell Robinson better than Mitchell Robinson? I don't. Uh, I mean, he's he's like a Capella. Like Capella's probably a better defender and a better defensive rebounder. Um, but Robinson's faster and he's you know better at catching alley oops. Me Turner's okay. Turner okay. Capella Turner are better at, at that skill set than Robinson. But he's he's one of the best ones in the league. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, and there aren't a ton of great centers, uh, and he's he's really really good. He's really really good. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's our you know I guess our our Knicks talk, the stuff we got right and wrong. Uh, the uh, <laughs> sorry, the stuff we got uh right and wrong, and uh you know we're we're pleasantly surprised with where this Knicks team is. Uh, one thing also that uh you know will be interesting to see is uh. I was re- I didn't even realize this, but the Knicks uh, have played more road games so far than any other team in the Eastern Conference, and uh, I got to imagine that these, you know, as like I said, as Frazier was saying, these road trips are even more taxing than normal, just because you go away and you're like, you can't leave your hotel room or do anything, uh, at least you know, as opposed to being in the comfort of your home. I know the Knicks have a lot of home games coming up uh, here in the month of February, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if. Uh, they could take advantage of that and start reeling off some more wins. Sorry, my phone is uh, starting to blow up. It looks like the Mets signed uh, Trevor Bauer. Um, oh wow! I, so yeah, so uh, let, let's. Uh, so that was our uh, Knicks talk. And uh, <laughs> sorry, if you're still if you're still listening to us, uh, we're not doing a Mets pod this week, but we wanted to take uh, five minutes here at the end to uh, talk about the Mets, uh, starting with. Uh, Trevor Bauer. Um, if you I listen to our a, last Mets pod, I was just saying I think we did a really good job talking about this, but we can do some some quick hits. Uh, just you know, I mean, since since we last talked about the Mets, the only the only I mean, they signed uh, a reliever in uh, Brandon Loop, Braden Loop, Loop. Uh, whatever's yeah. Trevor Loop. I, I don't know what his first name is. His last name's Loop. I, I keep thinking of Braden Looper, the uh, the old Mets reliever. But uh, <laughs> uh, they signed a lefty reliever, but in more important or what was a bigger story certainly was that uh mickey calloway was uh you know it was found out that mickey calloway was sexually harassing uh lots of women uh in the media and uh you know this was the second time that a sandy alderson hire now has uh gotten in trouble of course mickey calloway is no longer hired or uh hired by the mets or sorry employed by the mets but one thing it got me and adam uh talking about offline is that uh clearly uh the mets you know, haven't doing haven't been doing as much due diligence on some of uh, their hirings as they should. And Trevor Bauer, you know, he has a bit of a checkered past. Is this someone that we, you know, that the Mets? I mean, clearly from an on-field standpoint, yeah, bring him in. He's a great pitcher. He's the defending Cy Young winner. But you know, you look at some of the off-field stuff, and you know, especially given the price, is it worth it? I, I would say no. So here's here's how I see it. Like the the. When people talk about like, oh, because of the Mickey Calloway story, they can no longer afford to bring in someone who may be harassing women. Like, that's ridiculous. You shouldn't ever hire someone who harasses anyone. Like, you can't afford to have people in on your in your organization, on your like in like your workplace who harass women. Full stop. That, that that that's where I am. So the the Trevor Bauer stories are straight. Like he's never been accused of anything like Mickey Calloway did. I don't think he's ever been accused of sexual harassment. Um, he's been accused of like sending his Twitter followers after female reporters, which is 
awful and harassment. Um, he's he's a conspiracy theorist. Like I don't think that someone's political views should mean they can't work, but I think that the psyche of someone who is potentially misogynistic, who um, peddles the conspiracy theories, makes me worried. Like one, how does he fit on this team? It makes me worried too. Like what else has he done? It makes me worried. Three, like is this someone you really want on your team? Um, yeah, I like him and as a pitcher pro- way more than most people do. Like I'm, he's a he. As I talked about last time, he has like eight pitches. He's constantly reinventing himself. He's a he is like a baseball like junkie. Like I think he's he's just one of the Cy Young, and I I think he's one of the best pitchers in the league. Just, and on the I field, don't think it's could be a devastating one-two punch. I just don't think it's worth but it. I personally, I agree. Yeah, and the other thing too, go after is, Odrizzi or like trade for someone. It's I don't know. They have such a good thing going that all the players seem so bought in. Their culture is so good. I just, I wouldn't do this. Yeah. Uh, I, I tend to agree. And the other thing that's important to remember, too, is do, clearly they didn't do proper due, dilig- due diligence on uh, Jared Porter and Mickey Calloway. But those are also, and while executive um, uh, employees that, uh, you know, clearly are, you know, representatives, high you know, as high as they could get uh, in the organization representing your team, they're also employees where it's very easy to terminate them. Like, they're employees that probably were making tops a million dollars a year. Uh, You bring in a pitcher making $30 million a year, that's a hard employee to terminate. So at this point, it's nothing has been confirmed. Um, But there's so much smoke right now that it seems strange that he wouldn't be on the team. And I imagine by the time people listen to this, he will be on the team. The Mets, like, website, like, showed him on their roster. Um, So, I mean... Mets.com? There's a screenshot of it on Twitter where he's on their roster. Well, someone could have doctored that. I guess. It could be a deep fake. Um, It just... It it seems like it's going to happen. The one thing that... I'm going to come back to is the owner said we have a no tolerance policy for things of the nature that Jared Porter did. And if they're then going to go immediately throw a ton of money at Trevor Bauer, I don't feel like you have no tolerance policy. And I feel like he was kind of full of crap in that moment. Yeah. Either you have no tolerance policy or you, or you don't. Yeah. Uh, I'll say this. If they do end up signing, uh, Trevor Bauer, I really hope that they really did their due diligence uh, and looked are looking at you know every sort of aspect of his past and yeah that, maybe you know, maybe while he's here up. yeah and that while he's here uh, you know he pitches great and they don't have any off the field issues with him that's all we can hope because if they bring him in, look put it this way if they bring him in uh, and he you know stays out of trouble off the field I am going to root for him on the field because he's gonna be wearing my team's uniform I want to see my team win a championship he's a great pitcher that can help them do that he just won the Cy young yeah but last, last and we have year. the guy that won and we have the guy that won and we also have the guy that won the Cy young the two years before that and finished third last year but I'm not gonna and <laughs> I, I I don't know if you've ever watched Bauer pitch he's a really fun player to watch I personally yeah. would not have brought him in. Um, and we'll see if this at, by the time you listen to this you'll probably know whether or not he actually is signed we're recording this on a Thursday night February 4th that is a heck of a rotation with Trevor Bauer though particularly when they get oh, yeah. right back David yeah. Peterson I mean, becomes their fifth or sixth starter and last year he was their second starter yeah I mean so, yeah I mean with Stroman and Carrasco as your three and four that's bananas 
Yeah, that would be a bananas rotation. All right, last thing we want to say uh, before uh, uh, we go. Uh, uh, Daniel Murphy retired this week. Uh, you know, one of the most fun Mets uh, I ever rooted for. Uh, it was a shame he couldn't be a lifer Met. Um, one of the many reasons we hate the Wilpons. You know, coming off of that incredible playoff run in 2015, they, you know, didn't keep him, and it wouldn't have cost a lot to do it. So, uh, um, you know, Daniel Murphy, guy who, uh, you know, came up uh, not really having a position, had, had himself a great career uh, year after, you know, had that incredible run with the Mets in 2015, highly consistent offensive player. Uh, and, uh, you know, th- thanks for the memories, Murph. I'm not as big as a Daniel Murphy fan. He made some pretty horrendous anti-gay statements. I he was on the field. He was on the field. He was a lot of fun to watch. He was an average player for most of his career with the Mets, and then he became a superstar. Like in that playoff run, I would have brought him too. But like, that's not entirely fair. He made a he made an All Star team with the Mets. I just was never a big Daniel Murphy guy. I know a lot of people are. Never was my cup of tea. Well, uh, I'll agree to disagree with you there. I, I always enjoyed watching him and was very upset that, uh, A, they didn't bring him back and that uh, the Wilpons forced Gary Cohen to uh, call him a Met negative. Uh, I clearly, was... he wasn't a Met negative because uh, they let him go and they have yet to uh, get that kind you know, they've been terrible ever since. So I, I don't buy the fact that he was a Met negative. In fact, I... the year after, they brought in Neil Walker, who was a piece of crap. What? What kind of word did you just use? piece of crap he was soft as hell i don't know all i know is daniel murphy played his ass off and the year after they bring in neil walker who i remember in that 2016 season as they're making a run toward uh you know toward that wild card game i remember he had an injury that year and there were it was one of those deals where uh you can play through pain but it's not going to get worse and he opted to uh not play the rest of that season so screw neil walker uh i wish daniel murphy was on that team uh you know i think that the ceiling on that team would have been higher but whatever uh you know daniel murphy whether whether or not you liked him for the duration of his career he uh you know he gave us one of the most fun uh two-week stretches in mets history uh so uh congrats on a great career congrats all right uh yeah uh if you don't already follow us on uh twitter and instagram follow us at born in 87 pod uh uh if you want to uh like like all the other fans uh if you want to uh call out uh call out stuff we're talking about send us an email born in 87 pod at gmail.com uh and if you like what we're doing uh or if you don't like what we're doing give us a review uh on the apple podcast app uh, if you don't like what right. we're doing don't leave us a review on the apple podcast app. <laughs> just don't send us an email or uh yeah, tweet at us do we'll, that we'll be happy or to come, uh, come yeah. on come on and talk about yeah. it just don't leave us a review in the apple podcast app <laughs> all right have, have a good night adam all right.